Jan Swift, and you're listening to Discover Lafayette, a podcast dedicated to the people and rich culture of Lafayette, the gateway to South Louisiana. We taped Discover Lafayette with the support of Raider, a managed IT service provider that offers world-class service, including cybersecurity, communications, and technology support. With Raider, you have just one vendor and one number to call, allowing you to concentrate on what is most important, your business. For more information, visit RaiderSolutions.com. Drew Barra, proprietor of Say2 Dry Trinity Mix, joins us today. Drew has perfected a proprietary method of dehydrating the beloved Cajun Trinity of onions, bell peppers, and celery that springs to life when combined with hot liquid. Say2 offers home chefs an easy way to cook gumbo, jambalaya, etouffee, or any other local favorites by streamlining meal prep while maintaining high nutrient quality. I met Drew and his wife, Monique, at Moncas Park's Farmer's Market. I was intrigued by his entrepreneurial story. Drew Barra, thank you for joining us on Discover Lafayette. Well, thank you for having me, Jan. Yeah, it's a perfect time, too. We're here during December 2023. It's holiday time. Everybody cooks. They're looking for great gifts. Exactly. And you've got the whole thing here to offer. So um, why don't we start off with you telling us about your backgrounds, and what led you to develop Say2? Well, I'm, a, I'm from here, born and raised six blocks from the studio here. And oh, really? Yeah, I was in the St. Street area. Okay. And so uh, just a camp cook, not a chef, and just enjoy cooking. And probably, I guess, in late 2016, at the end of the, uh, the, the summer, I had way too many bell peppers than I could use. And... My neighbors, I had pawned off as much as they could, they wanted, and, and that's I'm like, a nice this, gift. Yeah, fresh bell really pepper. Um, but then I started thinking, I mean, these are going to go to waste. I said, and I, I at the time was making beef jerky for a homeless shelter. I said, you know, I'm just going to chop these up, dry them, and use them as I need them. Uh, didn't have an idea beyond that. But as I'm chopping the bell peppers, I realized I had onions in the pantry. And I'm like, well, they're going to go bad too, so I'm going to chop and try and dry them. And the idea dawned on me. I'd never seen the Cajun Trinity mm-hmm. dehydrated. So I got on Google, and I'm looking and trying to find if there's any product like that out there. It didn't really come as a brainstorm idea. I was just thinking, like, I've never seen that before. Well, I played with it a little bit, put the little recipe together, Shared it with some friends and like, you need to put this in a jar. Really? So um, I I bought six jars on eBay. And uh, I went You're just out, talking about the jar itself? The like em- just, empty jar. Uh-huh. Like know, canning jars. Exactly. Or, yeah. And so I uh, put together a recipe, went out to the farmer's market and sold my six jars. <laughs> Turned around and went back, bought 24 jars mm-hmm. and- it has steadily progressed from that point. You started at Moncus Farm, or were you at another farm? I was at market? Moncus. Uh-huh. I've been at Moncus since 2017-ish. And so right, the, your confidence level was high, right, making six jars? I guess you yeah, figured you'd I mean, be a winner. Yeah, I mean, I was pretty stoked. I was excited. <laughs> it's like, hey, I sold something. <laughs> yeah, and but you had to pay for the booth, so. Yeah. No. <laughs> we were kind of like in the red for a minute, but uh-huh. <laughs> we, got, we got through it, and, you know. It's great it's publicity like, being there. Oh, it, it, it definitely, that is that has been so good. Uh-huh. You know, it's funny because I talked to Monique, my wife, and we hustle, right? Um, Saturday, we'll make our 47th Saturday this year. Gosh. That's a she, 4 a.m. wake up every Saturday. My goodness. Yes. Yeah. Um, rain, shine, 
you know. You've been out there though for the past few years, huh? The past few years, but yeah. just this year alone, we'll, we'll 47. make 47 markets. Why? It's a good venue for us. We're able to talk to the customers, show them how it's used. So mm-hmm. it's a good it's a good vehicle for us to spread the word. You have a colorful set out too. Like when I saw you there, you and Monique, it's, it's, just, take, it's, it's really appealing. It's just Monique. Monique was the visual manager at uh, Maison Blanche department store. Oh, and so her attributes offset mine. She's the creative one. Uh-huh. So when it came to building and designing the booth, that was her department. Yeah. Now wait, Drew, I, I beg to differ. You are creative because well, you didn't just cr- draw the vegetables. I wish people could see this, but I know people are aware of what you do. You had to come up with the seasoning. That's creativity. Yeah. That, you didn't that, just pour creative. salt in. We're, we're, we're talking about visual aesthetics. Well, she, she's pretty good with it. Yeah. The, uh, you make the visual. a good team. Exactly. There we go. How, Ying, did you, Yang. how did you develop this, though? You didn't just dry the vegetables. How did you come up with your unique recipe? Well, trial and error. You know, I, I looked at what was out there in the market for any types of, you know, seasoning blends. Pick Sweet makes one in the frozen section. I'd buy a bag of theirs. I'm, I'm pretty analytical, so I dumped out theirs into a sheet pan and separated every ingredient, mm-hmm. and I weighed them to determine what the percentage of their recipe was. And you can do that with the salt and the— Well, no, this is just, just, just the vegetables. Right, I got gotcha. you. So to come up with the recipe for the dried vegetables, there's mm-hmm. just the five vegetables in the jar. Right. So understanding what the concept and how people broke up their percentages, I you see. Know, that's where I started. You started there. Right. And I, I get what you're saying. And then you had to come up with how to season it. So I you know you've got other—we'll we'll go to that in a minute. So this—I'm looking at two different jars. There's, say, two. One has garlic— Correct. And then one doesn't. The original is the one, it's the red cap. Right. That's the original. And then we've added garlic to the mm-hmm. one with the white cap. But there's no salt or anything in here. It's no, just ma'am. pure vegetables. It's just chopped dried vegetables. Yeah. So for people that are wondering what we are talking about that haven't seen this, um, this is what? Very light packaging. Four tablespoons of the dried mix becomes one cup of vegetables when it's fully hydrated. Correct. And all you have to do is add boiling water. Boiling water, add anything to it that has a broth. Mm-hmm. Um, soups, gumbos, etouffees, you just sprinkle it in your pot. It rehydrates mm-hmm. just like you chopped it yourself. Yeah, yeah. I know your mom played a role in helping you come up with your perfect recipe if you want to give her yeah. some credit for this. Mom, mom was at assisted living, and so when I first came up with it, my recipe was only green and white. So, you know— Green, pep- green, bell green peppers, peppers and onions, onions you know, yeah. green, green onions, green. So I brought a jar of my little recipe to the nursing home, the assisted living. I sat with mom for lunch and I was like, mom, what do you think about this? Well, mom was a <laughs> home ec major at mm-hmm. LSU. So she's, you know, she reminded me of that. She goes, you know, I was a home ec major, Drew. And every food item needs to have color, texture, taste. And she goes, you're missing a color. And I'm like, I'm missing a color. My jar was green and white. She goes, you need a little red. I'm like, red? Yeah, because when you see that fresh pick and stuff, it's a right. more of green and white. Huh? Right. Yeah. So I'm like, red, mom. What? She goes, you need a little bit of red bell pepper. Huh. So I'm like, okay, I'll try it. And don't you know, the little bit I put, it adds just that sweetness. Mm-hmm. She was spot on. And also, just for... <laughs> For the visibility of it, it adds that color. It really is beautiful. And it and it gives it a, a depth of color right, right. And, and flavor. So mom, bless her soul, she was, she had a lot. I was going to call it my mama's trinity. Oh. Yeah. So I went to, after I kind of got a little, 
you know, got a little going. I, I reached out to a marketing company and sat down with them. And when I said my mom is Trinity, they all had a frown in their face like, nah. You know, yeah, you're not just. I'm Wilson. sure you love your yeah. mama, but that's not marketable. Uh huh. Because there are some people that use that in their their exactly. names, but yeah, yeah, I guess they were singing. So yeah. say two means what? That's all. Mm -hmm. That's, that's all, all in Cajun French. That's all you need. Yeah. So yeah. it was the right name. Um, it, it just everything kind of worked from the beginning. Mm -hmm. How long did you just sell out of a booth, or did you start calling on stores? Like, how did you become a business person with this? Well, we, we did the booths for quite a while, probably 18 months before we stepped foot in a retail store. That was never the intent. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was really just going to be an online website, you know, presence, and also the farmer's market. Didn't even think. I'm not a visionary. I'm just like, it was, as it came, we took, you know, mm -hmm. and just did what I had to do. And so when we got into... Um, my first retail store was Hilo's Grocery on Verat School Road. And the, the store manager there, Paul, such a great guy. Um, he's with New News now. But Paul took me in, didn't bat an eye. We walked to the deli. He told his chef, heat up a pan of water. I want to see this. And we heated up in the, in the back of the deli, and the chef took a bite of it, and his, his eyes got real big. And Paul took a bite of it, and he says, oh, my God. Mm -hmm. He goes, how many do you have with you? I'm like, I have a case. He goes, go back and get me 10 more cases. <gasps> Did you have 10 more cases to no. get? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I, I was worried there was a catch. Huh? Yeah. Like, oh, boy. So, <laughs> I ran back, and at the time, I was making this out of my house. Mm -hmm. It was actually in a bedroom. So, Were uh, you under the radar? Yeah. Uh -huh, just Big time. Huh? Just small time, you know, yeah, just, small, just yeah. small time. <laughs> so I ran back to Hilo's with six cases. He put me right in the front on an, a wing stack Wow! and invited me to do an in-store demo. And I went out. Actually, I brought the six. I ran home, got what I could put together, came back, and went in the parking lot and just teared up. It's like, mm -hmm. this is not happening. He wanted it that, that day. That day. Oh, my goodness. Wow. That day. I was like, this is just not happening. So. Uh -huh. It, that was the first retail store, and then um, we've slowly grown our for footprint. Um, you know, a small business, we've had to kind of get through some obstacles and navigate our way through difficult, you know, distributors. And, mm -hmm. you know, you go through all those pains of trusting and who to trust, who not to trust, who's got your back, who doesn't, you know, just like any small business. So um, we've actually partnered with some really good partners now. And Are you in a lot of the local grocery stores? We are. We are. We're in all four new news. Um, we're in Champagne's, Fresh Pickens, um, all across Acadiana. Our, our footprint continues to grow. Uh, we are in Rouse's. and um, That's big. Yeah. yeah. Rouse's yeah. has been good to us. Mm-hmm. Um, so you so, just yeah. call. Are you the are you the main marketer? No, I actually have a partnership with a, a distributor now um, that you know. It's kind of like someone first told me. It might have been Jim Gossam. We mentioned Jim earlier. Yeah, Jim's like a local ambassador. He really for, is. He um, says, business. Drew, you can't be the manufacturer and the distributor. Mm -hmm. Don't try and do it because you'll fail. Yeah. So I never tried to be that. Um, to run be the out one to the stores. delivering, yeah, yeah. The I cases. can't go and sell it to the stores and be the you know the distributor and the manufacturer. Mm -hmm. um, so I've partnered with this really great company, and they're helping me get gain footprint. Are they local? They are local. So that's good. You can just go meet with them directly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, the particular company, he he's a grocery store owner for years and years, so he understands the business. He can speak the language mm -hmm. with the store managers on getting shelf space. Who is that? Um, Armac Distributing. Okay. They're out of the um, the 
I guess New Iberia area you'd call it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a real big outfit, which bodes well for me because yeah. we're both small. We both appreciate each other mm-hmm. very much. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he's very good at what he does, and he's, he's helped us grow our footprint tremendously over the past year. Well, it looks like you've developed new products, like you've moved on from just the um, dehydrated Trinity. And uh, tell me about these other samples that you got here to show. Uh, a little over, I guess it was close to 18 months ago, maybe two years. Um, you may be familiar with Kurt Guillory. Kurt is one of the chefs on Grilling with the Gurus. Well, I, I love his seasoning, Louisiana Love, and we've used it you know, in a lot of the things that I do. Mm-hmm. So Kurt and I spoke and he said, you know, we need to come up with a product, an etouffee. And it started with just that. Um, a prepackaged etouffee kit where everything's in the kit that you need, your vegetables, must seasoning, and in a dry room. So I took off with that idea and started playing with a machine, trying to create a machine that would make dry roux. Mm-hmm. Uh, $40 in parts from Home Depot, and I was able to create and fabric uh, create a machine that I could make dry roux without burning it. I tried six ways of making dry roux. I tried in the oven, the microwave, the barbecue pit, the convection oven, tried all these different ways to make a dry roux, but make it in mass. Mm-hmm. So my $40 pot worked. The design worked, so I took it to a fabricator, and had it five times sized and with all food-grade stainless, heavy-duty industrial machinery. And so now once we fa- you know, got that fabricated and I can make roux mm-hmm. in large quantities, I just started rolling out these other uh, products. Other products. I'm curious about the price for the fabrication. Um, he just charged you like $60 instead no, of the 40 <laughs> <laughs> My $40 pot became a $4,000 investment. It's it's like a, a culture shock, huh? It was. I've had other people like you, though. We were talking about Roy's Fresh Lemonade earlier. Um, they had made their own, you know, mixing pot, I guess it was. And when they went to a professional, they said that it was, you know, oh, yeah. but it was needed. You have to do that. Absolutely. To get, to, to get the product out. Yeah. So you've got now, I'm looking at um, Cajun stew mix, Cajun jambalaya mix, uh, gumbo mix and etouffee mix. So tell me about this. It sounds like it's gotten popular where chefs are calling on you. It really your, has. Your, your we dishes. have, um, you know, it's it's gaining a foot, I tell you. The etouffee was our introductory product, but then I started thinking about it. You know, if I toast my flour a little deeper and make a darker roux, that's going to be the perfect color and, and flavor of a stew. So we went that direction. And then the gumbo actually happened by accident. I turned my back on my machine, <laughs> and um, when I got back to it, it was such a dark brown. I'm like, oh, my God, I burned this batch. Then I'm like, wait, maybe I didn't. So I turned off the machinery, grabbed some sample, ran, tested it, and it was like the perfect gumbo roux. And I'm mm-hmm. like, here we go. Mm-hmm. Here's our gumbo. It's ready. So we worked on all of that, obviously, and um, getting the recipe right. It's flavor. The flavor profile is just like I say your grandma made it. I, I'm, a, I'm a traditionalist and a purist. I like scratching a pot. I like mm-hmm. making a gumbo from scratch. Our, our products taste as close as you can get, in my opinion, to making it you know, a three-hour gumbo. And I do want to ask you one thing. When we were looking at this earlier, the gumbo mix, you've got the dried roux. And I asked you, do you have to add oil? And you said, no, 
So no. it's really a lighter option. It is a healthier option. Mm-hmm. You're not using oil. The um, When you're making a wet roux, you're using the oil to toast the flour, basically. This is just the toasted flour without the oil because mm-hmm. you don't need it. Mm-hmm. I've become a flour scientist. <laughs> I really have. Um, <laughs> How so? Because I consult with so many chefs, you know, so many good friends. I, I noticed that, you know, when you make a traditional gumbo, the longer it renders, the better it gets. When you make your first roux, it's bitter. So I learned, and I was watching my machinery, and as, you know, the flour toasts, it wisps these white vapors. And it's not just puffing the flour. It's Mm -hmm. actually wisping something away. And the more I thought about it, and it all makes sense to me, and I consulted with a lot of chefs, I'm like, what is happening? Is that the gluten? And, Mm -hmm. like, that's exactly what's happening. You're shrinking the gluten out of the the flour, and the gluten is the bitterness of a gumbo. The longer you render, the less oh bitter gosh. it gets. So by doing the toasted flour, we're actually cooking out a lot of that bitterness so that mm-hmm. the minute it, it's put in your pot from our kit, you don't have that bitterness. It's not gluten-free, though, I guess. No, it's, it's not gluten. It just shrinks uh-huh. the gluten molecule. Uh-huh. So the gluten's still there. Can't claim it to be gluten-free. We've been asked a few times, but no. It has gluten. It's just basically gold metal flour, mm-hmm. toasted. Is that a good flour? Is that it's the you, best. Uh-huh. For me, I, you know, like I said, I'm a flour scientist now. I know. I, know. So, I feel like so, I should take this. I'm writing this down. No. So I, I know how it acts. Mm-hmm. And the flour is very differential. I mean, different manufacturers, there are different, you know, yeah. components to it. Um, I've just been cooking so much of this that I know exactly what to expect mm-hmm. from it at certain temperatures and how it's going to behave, we'll say. I, I just love the gusto, you know, like the love of what you're doing that you're putting into this. And I just didn't expect that you had, I didn't realize that you had all these different products. I do want to get in a plug for another local chef, you know, George Graham has written two cookbooks. He has a weekly blog and uh, he's, he's just a visual chef. He just makes everything look so good, but he uses your product too. So, I mean, that, that must feel good. It does. You know, just anytime anybody, uh, the fact that you invited me here is, is huge. I mean, it. we're just small. You know, we're just small business and it really, George is a great guy. Mm-hmm. He wrote an article. He interviewed me. He used my product in the best way you possibly could have. Um, I see him at the market from time to time and Everything he does is it just he did the uh, the, the um, what did he do this week the artichokes yeah oh my goodness I know if, if it, y'all haven't signed up it's just a free weekly blog but he's got two beautiful cookbooks too right. that are wonderful for gifts but I can't wait to make the redfish kubion yeah he's got the recipe that came out. I get an email every week and it just right. had your you know recipe using this it's just really it makes it look fun right. Mm-hmm. You know, the benefit, one of the things that Monique and I have near and dear to our heart is really just trying to give back, too. We did a day of giving with our jambalaya kit for um, Thanksgiving. We offered up anybody to buy our jambalaya kit online, and whoever made the purchase, we would donate that kit to Hub Ministries, uh, Lafayette Urban Ministries, right up on University Street. And we would prepare the jambalaya that they bought to feed the homeless. But we also gave back all the proceeds from those sales back to the hub. So we Mm -hmm. wrote them a check yesterday for all the proceeds of the jambalaya Uh kit. Is that your main 
um, group uh, that you yeah, work with? Yeah, you know, we, we love to donate our time. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. that's just minimal nowadays because we're running and gunning. But the um, it, it's a funny story, and I don't want to get sidetracked. I Unfortunately, I went to a funeral for a classmate, and one of the um, founders or key members of the hub was at the funeral, and I knew what she had done. She feeds the homeless every Monday, and I said, I'd really love to donate my trinity to y'all's cooking. It would save y'all time, the space, and all this stuff. I said, but I don't want to just give y'all product. I want to come see what y'all do. So I went out and spent uh, a Monday night with them serving the homeless, and I'm like, this is really cool. Mm -hmm. And so since that time— We've done everything we can to donate product to them, assist in the serving, and, and you know, yeah. whenever time allows. That's a good—it sounds like a good ministry. It really is. They yeah. give back. They're, they're such good people. Uh-huh. Gosh. So um, how would you define yourself? Are you a businessman? Um, how, how do you define what you're doing now? I, 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 I want to be a simple man, you know, <laughs> just a Cajun— Unfortunately, I'm pushed into the arena where, you know, you you are pushed into business corners mm-hmm. where you got to fight. Yeah. I don't like that. Um, you mean but, like to get on the shelf or how, how do you fight? Well, just all aspects. Mm-hmm. Accounts receivable. And we were talking about the Department of Agriculture. Department of Agriculture. Licensing uh, yeah. agencies, huh? Yeah. All the obstacles it takes to get licensed, to get permitted. Um, do all they come the different... and um, do they do like, you know, they could show up unannounced? No, no, it's not that. It's not mm. that. It's just going through all the taxing properties and ensuring yeah. that you're paying. You know, they'll show up at the farmer's market with a clipboard, and I watch them. They'll write down the names of all those vendors, and they'll come oh. send them notices that, hey, we saw you at the market. You yeah. didn't file any taxes, or you don't have a tax code. Mm-hmm. Now, I understand we've been taxed from day one. That was the first thing I did. Set up a um, you know, Yeah, set w up a tax account. Yeah. Um, any, you know— uh, I'm a simple man. I like things easy and simple, so I subscribe to an app that actually goes in and looks at my sales and automatically pays the state at the end of the month. Mm-hmm. I don't touch any of it. I just mm-hmm. get a statement at the end of the month that all of our taxes. But the benefit about all this is our customers don't pay tax on any of my products. I don't pay sales tax. It's all tax exempt because this is a food item that has to be processed at home, which really? makes it tax exempt. Boy, that's a new if I'm buying Buda, law, huh? If I'm buying boudin, you're taxed at Nunu's. If you're buying, say, two gumbo, you're not taxed because you have to take it home to prepare it. Wow. So it's still in the in process, I guess, under right. their it regulations. It needs to be processed at home because yeah. you need to cook it. Uh-huh. Anything that has to be you know, processed at home is a tax-exempt item. So your jars here um, are $6. It's like 6.00. It's not five ninety nine. It's well, the, the retailers set their prices. Mm-hmm. I sell it to the distributor. Distributor sells. It oh, to I the see. Store. So it's probably more in the um, well the stores. Different, yeah, different stores, different prices. Yeah. yeah. You know. What um, What is the average price then of some of these the meals? Some um, six dollars on the shelf. That's amazing. Yeah, That's six dollars on the shelf. I know. So I know you're a simple man or wannabe. <laughs> I and I that. asked you this earlier. I just see this scaling nationally. And you kind of hesitated. Yeah, scaling. I mean, we're at a point where, you know, um, our production output is not that we're maxed, but we do, we're testing some limits. And our next step is going to have to be, you know, the bigger pot. Mm-hmm. I actually grew my pot three times to where I am now. So the next one's going to really be probably a big, big pot. And, mm-hmm. and I say pot, machine. Yeah. So, but everything else will have to grow with it. Yeah, everything else would grow. But yeah. you know, it, 
we'll just kind of mm-hmm. I look I've taken it every day as it comes yeah we've never really forced it just whatever comes we take it and we we work with what we got well you met a need too like it's a simple idea but no one else had done it and you, you're meeting needs right it's it you know I've tested it and tried a lot when you look at other brands and I'm not here to talk bad about anybody but it's fabricated to be cheap this is Blood, sweat, and tears. You don't have preservatives? No uh, preservatives. Uh. Nothing in there to make it last long. We, we date stamp everything. Um, but in any given, like, the, every weekend we have our regime. We go to the farmer's market on Saturday. We, we tear down. We're home. We clean everything up, put all the pots away. And then Sunday morning I'm back at the shop toasting flour. Mm-hmm. Um, Sunday I cook probably 300 pounds of flour. And— <laughs> That, that goes into production during the week. God bless my wife, Monique, because she's at the shop putting it in, you know, packaging everything. I was wondering who packages She everything. packages it. We don't so have a So it's not machines. It's just— uh, It is machines um, okay. with hoppers that batch out the, okay. the ingredients the by the amount. Uh-huh. Um, but that's a manual process to fill each bag. Um, Gosh. We zip seal, heat seal. Um, you know, the whole production process is a—it's uh-huh. a two-man operation— <laughs> At least two. Yeah. It is. Yeah. And we have family and friends that are volunteer and come help when uh-huh. we're getting stuck. Like, we're getting busy. We got a lot of things going on right now, especially with Christmas. Um, our Christmas baskets, obviously, are a big thing right now. And these are stocking stuffers, so we have a lot mm-hmm. of orders. But we do have a church in Baton Rouge that reached out to me two weeks ago for my gumbo kit. Our normal kit serves six. He goes, I need a gumbo kit to feed a 1,000. Wow. So oh we gosh. delivered that to him um, last week. He, Do the proportions stay the same, or are they adjusted for quantity? The proportions stay the same, but you got to scale it. Yeah. So it a ended up being people. quite a bit of roux mm-hmm. and vegetables and Cajun seasoning. And um, then he turned right around and said he needed another kit to feed 350. Mm-hmm. So he'll the know institutional— that it, It'll be, like, <clears throat> consistent right, and safe. Yeah, you know, anytime you scale a recipe, it changes for somebody. Even though you, you keep the ingredient uh, percentages the same, when you get to be that large. So he and I have had a lot of conversations about, okay, chef, look, here's what's yeah. gonna, you need to keep an eye on this because it's going to th- it's gonna be thick and you're going to have to be prepared to thin it out, make sure you have mm-hmm. enough room in the pot, things like that. Where can people go, like if they're not out at the Moncas uh, Park, how do people contact you to, to The easiest things? way is thisiscajun.com. Okay. That's our website. They can order it anytime. Um, a lot of the local stores have it. We mentioned New News and, mm-hmm. you know, Fresh Pickens and all the local stores that have it. But um, the easiest way to get it is on thisiscajun.com. And we'll offer a free ship to your listeners because we charge oh. a flat fee shipping. But if mm-hmm. they use the promo code free ship, we'll uh-huh. ship it. We'll pay the shipping and get it to them for free. Thank you. Do they say where they heard it? Or does it nope, matter? Nope, just promo code free ship. Mm-hmm. That's a and, great deal. Um, yeah. yeah. What's interesting is, you know, we meet so many people at the different farmers markets we do, a lot of tourists at the Moncas Park, at the Horse Farm, and they get home and they want to order it. Mm-hmm. So we always tell our customers at the market when you get home and you want more, just use promo code free ship. Mm-hmm. 90 to 95% of our online sales goes outside the state of Louisiana. Where is there one part of the country that's um, all yeah. over? Uh-huh. Um, We've shipped to Portugal. We've shipped as far as Hawaii, Puerto Rico, the continental U.S. for sure. Texas Mm -hmm. is a big one. 
California is a big one. Florida is a big one. Yeah. But we have a lot of just, I call them displaced Cajuns. Does Monique do that also? Is she the one that she does. packages She pulls everything? the orders, uh, prints labels, heads to the shop, gets them all uh-huh. pulled over to the post office or UPS, whichever. But we ship within 12 hours of the order being placed. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Yeah. We use two-day delivery. It's pulled within That's 12 wonderful. hours. That's la- But last minute, yeah. Yeah, it's it, getting last minute now. Looking, thinking about minute, gifts. Yeah, yeah. we've shipped over ten thousand orders, and I can count on one hand the mistakes we've made on delivery, mm-hmm. and all of those mistakes were mine. I, I knew they were going to be your fault. I just knew this. You were helping again. Exactly. Monique's like, don't I, help. My, my hands, when my hands get in it, we're out for mistakes. Well, anyway, I love this story, and and another thing about you I love is that. As busy as you are with say two, you you have a day job, and you any of an interesting day job. So would you tell us about what you do? When I when I first started in college, while in college, I was catching shoplifters. That's how my career started. Where um, where, where were you? That this was Maison Blanche Department Store at Acadia Mall. Oh, that's where you met Monique. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Monique was the counter manager for Clinique. I was the floor detective catching shoplifters. <laughs> so I was always at the cosmetics heaven. counter flirting with her. <laughs> And so uh, under the guise that I was using her cosmetic mirror to wash shoplifters behind me, Mm -hmm. that was my method. (laughs) So since then, she's been unique Monique from Clinique. No, no. This is corny. I know it's corny. It's a dad joke. (laughs) So uh, we we did that. They moved us to New Orleans, and I ran the Maison Blanche on Canal Street for about five years, Mm -hmm. which is very interesting. And then we moved over to the Home Depot as the uh, loss prevention manager to open the store on Ambassador, but they moved us seven times across the southeast in progressive roles. We ended up in corporate Atlanta, Home Depot, and Central Investigations. They asked me to produce a a think tank or a a Central Investigations unit that would handle all theft and fraud, embezzlement cases, or high-profile cases that exceeded $100,000. So we had a team of investigators and data analysts that would scrutinize and what I call data mine, transactional history. But we also got all the um, high-profile cases. And anything, like I said, if there was a, a suspicion of a large case, it came to us. So we worked some really large cases, a lot of, a lot of murders, a lot of kidnappings. Um, once had a woman chopped her husband's head off with a machete. <gasps> Oh, and so oh, when, they, when they got to the scene of the crime, there was no machete there, but a receipt from Home Depot for a machete. <laughs> so the detectives called and said, hey, we've got this receipt for a machete, but, you know, can you help us out? And, like, send me a photograph of the, mach- you know, the receipt. So we, we went back and we <laughs> pulled the— sick. <laughs> Not the way you wanted the conversation to go. Bro. No, I like it. I, I like the story. Yeah, I know. It's so brutal. So we— uh, I took the receipt. We it's found like, say the two. master yeah, that's card. All. Say two. That's it. That was she was done. So we ran the receipt, found the uh, the original purchase of the machete. So it sure enough matched. The wife was buying it, but oh I goodness. also went a step further and looked at that Mastercard that was used. I said, "Show me all transactions on this Mastercard used at Home Depot," and I found the return of a machete. That's amazing. Yep. Oh, so I ran gosh. to the store. The cashier put it back on the shelf as non-defective. Mm-hmm. She had washed the blood off, but she didn't get all the DNA off. So they were able to pinpoint. <laughs> wow. So we found the murder weapon oh just goodness. through data analysis. When was that? How long ago? This was probably in the late 90s. 
So DNA was just kind of yeah, just after OJ started. really yep. getting started. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. We had a, a dismembered body found. Um, when detectives found a dismembered body, this was in northern Florida. I was in Tampa at the time, and they reported that they had found a barcode in one of the shallow graves. They said, hey, is this anything y'all sell? And I pulled the barcode up, and yeah, that's a shovel. So <laughs> we were able to, you know, run the data mine or show me every time this shovel's been sold in a 10-mile radius of all Home Depot stores. And then I'm going through all the transactions. I'm looking at hmm. topsoil, shovel, you know, I get to this one duct tape, Clorox, <laughs> shovel. I'm like, I think we have a winner here. Oh, my gosh. So we were able to actually pull the video that matches the transaction uh -huh. through the technology at, at that time and burn the video, send it to the cop, and it was the ex-boyfriend. He admitted to killing her. Huh. So there was a lot of cases like that where we utilized technology, and this was the very beginning of mm -hmm. what is now artificial intelligence. It was the very beginning of yeah. being able to utilize technology to solve crimes. I know you're a simple man. I'm going to go back to that. Would you call yourself a cynical man after doing all this security consulting? You, know, you see a lot. I do. And, mm -hmm. you know, I still have faith in people. I really do. I mm -hmm. mean, not everybody's out there to be bad guys. And chop off your head. Yeah. You know. <laughs> Thank goodness. Right. <laughs> it, was the, it was the Russian mafia case that I worked that probably scared me the most. Okay. What happened? Well, we had a husband and wife shoplift team that had been pilfering large amounts through a ticket switch operation. But they were— uh, What is that? Tell Ticket us switch. They would switch a barcode. They would take a cheap barcode, put it on a more expensive item, and run it through the register. If the cashier didn't catch it, they walked out with an expensive item. They didn't pay much for it. In this particular case, they were selling—they um, would put a $500 rug in their basket and ring it through the register for $19.99. They'd turn around at the next door and take that $19 barcode off, revealing the true $500 barcode, and, and return it for yeah. store credit. Mm. That store credit was sold on eBay. So through the course of an investigation, I was able to track all these gift cards being used by a pawn shop owner in Atlanta outfitting his mansion. <laughs> so, yeah, it gets—so now I find that his husband and wife team are doing this in multiple states. Mm -hmm. So it's a large operation. So I get And you can only service. buy so many rugs. Right. You know? right. <laughs> But there were a total of 35 <laughs> Home Depots involved, mm -hmm. five states. So when it crossed state lines, I knew that that would be, um, you know, I couldn't go to each jurisdiction and prosecute them in each jurisdiction. That would just be too much. So mm -hmm. I went to the feds and the mm -hmm. Secret Service and said, look, multi-state case, they're crossing state lines with this. Will you help me? Can you take the was case? Was it a RICO? It was just RICO. Yeah. yeah it it was the beginning of RICO before, you know, RRC, organized retail crime, was mm -hmm. a thing. So the Secret Service took the case. And so um, we worked together for six months, just tailing the husband and wife team, watching them steal, watching where the ill-gotten gift cards were used. And it turns out um, the case value had amounted to over $1.2 million wow. by the time we were able to bring it to trial and prosecute. Well, the, the pawn shop owner was an understudy for the Russian mafia. <laughs> they were teaching him how to become a mobster. He was a young kid. Uh -huh. <laughs> And they were just teaching. They bought him the pawn shop, put him in business to teach him. So, you know, we learned all this. Obviously, the federal agents had all their intelligence. And so we finally brought it to trial. It had taken a long time. But sitting in court, um, waiting to go before the judge and, and testify, someone leaned up next to me and said, the family wishes you use your words, choose your words wisely today, Mr. Barra. <laughs> 
And the agent next to me, I looked at him. I said, did you hear what he just said? He said, the family. <laughs> and he's like, ah, oh, they're just trying to rattle your cage. Don't worry about that. I'm like, the mafia just threatened me, dude. <laughs> He's but like, you went ahead and you did the right thing. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. it, all, it all turned out well. They wrote us a restitution check that day, and the, the little understudy actually apologized. He did. Because he knew I had been on him yeah. and, and trailing him. He knew uh -huh. I was getting closer and closer. And Do you so, know yeah. if he went to jail? Did he have to They pay? did. Um, Besides the The monetary? restitution helped them a lot escape jail time. Uh -huh. We'll just say that. Yeah. But the husband and wife team went to jail for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't even know where to begin with this. Like, I just, I'm curious. Here you are making, you know, helping humanity through dried <laughs> vegetables. And then you're also rooting out knuckleheads that are out there wreaking havoc. Huh? Right. Like criminals. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, that what a juxtaposition a, of what you do. It was like, for yeah. So recently, I took on a role here, stepped out of the corporate role, mm -hmm. and worked with a local uh, security company as their coordinator mm -hmm. and, and providing you know a lot of different facets of security. So I'm back in the I guess on the street working with security officers, and you know that's where my my bread has always been buttered. I love yeah. working with officers, and mm -hmm. you know, kind of the where the like I said, the rubber meets the road. Right. Right. And it gives me, you know, the owner of the company is very, very compassionate about, say, two, mm -hmm. and um, very, very supportive. Does Monique work outside of the home? <laughs> no. <clears throat> I mean, she's working she's her working, tail off in the home. She's working yeah. seven days a week, poor Or at girl. least at your um, your yeah, shop. At yeah. the shop in Youngsville, yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. We're here with Jason Secor. And Jason, thank you. Yeah, of course. This is a fun interview, and I've been looking forward to this. I've, you've been writing notes. Do you have I, any questions? I have, and boy, I just kind of want to hear more stories from back I in know. the day. Like that was amazing. Uh, but getting <laughs> back to the food thing, first of all, thank you, Drew, for being here. So this is Cajun.com. Great website name, by the way. I, I don't know how you managed to snag that and how somebody else didn't have that, but that's awesome. So everybody go there, use free ship. And then you said you were in New Locally, you're Nunu's, Rouse's, Fresh Pickens, and was there another one? Uh, there are several. Um, Louisiana Hot Stuff has us in their their boutique. Okay. Um, Hilo's has it, obviously. We're at the Lafayette Horse Farm every Saturday. Okay. Um, Moncus Park. First Saturday of every month, we're at Delcom at the Shrimp Docks oh, for their perfect. farmer's market. That's a yeah. really good market for us. Um you know, people, they ask me, well, because I, I, the vendor community is small-knit for the most part. We're friends, family kind of. Yeah. So they say, well, how do you do at the horse farm? And I'm like, I do pretty good. I said, what about Delcom? I said, oh, that's my customers. They're short and fat like me. <laughs> they, they, they're home cooks. But all know? that fresh seafood is right yeah. there. Yeah, seafood, oh, they're yeah. cooking. So that my product sense. goes really well uh -huh. when they're selling shrimp off the boat. Okay. I'm working the line. I'm bringing them samples of my product. I always make a big gumbo or whatever I'm going to be serving at the market to give them out samples so they can taste what mm -hmm. this tastes like. Okay. So that's as really they're waiting smart. in shrimp, I bring them a little cut Dixie cup with some mm -hmm. of my gumbo in it while they're waiting to pick up their shrimp. And they head straight back to my booth to buy some product. But a lot of people drive there. I mean, my neighbor recently just went for shrimp. He's like $3 a pound, and it's just exactly. fresh, fresh, fresh. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So in, in our previous interview, we had uh, Blair Broussard on, and he was talking about marketing. Have you had to do any sort of marketing or big social media presence or anything like that? Or is this all just word of mouth and being in front of people? No, this is another Drew trying to, you know, <laughs> I always say never buy, hire a plumber to do electrical electrician's work. 
as yeah, a general yeah. rule. Yeah. Well, Drew tries to be a marketer. Yeah. You know, you know, it, it that's one of those obstacles for small business. When I first hired a marketing company, I think I was paying you know, and it was a huge hit, $1,000 a month to yeah. do, you know, how many posts per month, blah, 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 blah. And it's like there was no ROI. I was like freaking. It's like, mm-hmm. I can't afford this. Look, everything I do is measured in jars. Even when I'm grocery shopping, in my head, and I tell Monique that she says, shut up. We got to sell 250 jars to pay for that based yeah. off my margins. Right. So everything I buy, I calculate it in jars. Mm-hmm. So when we're about to make a purchase for the business, I always measured in amount of jars I, I would have to sell to, sell. to pay yeah. for that. Wow. And that's that kind of keeps us be. in check. Yeah. Keeps us in check on buying things that we probably don't need or can do without. And you are a cash buyer, like you don't get you don't take on debt from what you were telling Correct. me. Cash so you need positive. to know how many right. jars are going to be yeah. sold. Yeah. Yeah, we've just from the very beginning felt like we weren't going to incur debt to do this. Mm-hmm. Let's just kind of grow it organically to where we're cash positive. Yeah. That, yeah. That's awesome. So you have the the Trinity vegetable mix. You have the other mixes here. It, you sound really busy, but is there anything else on the horizon? or th- What's on the idea pad that we might see a few years from now? Or are you not even thinking that far ahead? But really don't. You know, the institution size product is the next. We have more and more mm. restaurants wanting it in 10-pound oh, okay. bags yeah. or, or, you know, to feed 250. So expanding the scalability of our current products. But I have, like I said, so many chefs that I consult with, and they're all just so great. We're going to see a rice dressing at some point. We're going to see. Perfect. Okay. We're going to see some ancillary products come through. Never want to get into the Cajun seasoning itself business. Mm -hmm. Um, It's pretty flooded to begin with. It is. It's a a hard one. There's good choices there. Yeah, there's just so much there. There's no need for that. Mm -hmm. But with our concept of a ready to cook, easy to prepare, delicious Cajun meal, there's still other products out there that Mm -hmm. we can generate that fits our kind of product assemble. Mm-hmm. I love the awesome. rice dressing idea, and then to put it in, stuff it in a bell pepper. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Back to your roots, oh, you yeah. know? Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, th- you know, this is fun because we had KOK Wings on uh, a mm-hmm. few weeks ago, and so more food. So I'm learning a lot about food and, and this process. So you have the recipe, you have the raw goods, manufacturing, packaging, distribution, sales. I'll ask you the same question I asked them. What advice would you have for somebody who maybe has an idea, who wants to start exploring this and really doesn't know where to start? Well, there's so many, <laughs> so many pitfalls, man. I couldn't really, it's really just follow their heart. And, and there's nothing wrong with growing organically. You know, when I first started, I was thinking in those 3 a.m. thoughts, I call them, man, at a dollar, you know, profit per jar, I'd only have to sell a million. <laughs> <laughs> and I can do that in my yeah. spare time. <laughs> yeah. And in reality, when reality hit, it's like, no, nah, it doesn't happen that way. Yeah. So, you know, stepping back and looking at what you got and understanding and accepting the way it is. Um, you know, grandiose ideas come at the very beginning Take a step back. Check yourself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it takes a little bit, and we're nowhere near, you know. A million. I've, I think I've <laughs> sold maybe 60,000 jars since we've started. Wow. That's far cry from a million that I was thinking at the very beginning, you know. And that's hustling. That's yeah. That's like, mm-hmm. you know, going at it 24-7. So just taking it as it comes, you know, and, and the right people. Yeah. The right people. That's kind of what my takeaway was is having the right people – talking to, to great chefs who can give you advice, 
But also, you seem to have a, you mentioned it, an analytical mind for being able to figure out all these processes, right? You have you have a process for getting a recipe. You have a process for your manufacturing. You you designed your your own you know your own equipment and exactly. and figured it out along the way. So it really seems like learning everything and how it all pieces together was a big benefit for you. It is, and you know, just uh, that's my makeup. I'm very inquisitive. When I wanted to sift my flour. I'm like, how do I? Here we go. Shane's laughing. I love I mean, it. Here no, we go. This is amazing. I know. So I took a gold miner's kit with the progressive <laughs> I, screens. Of course you did. Oh, I yeah. know. And they fit in a five-gallon bucket. Oh. So I took a concrete mixer motor that shakes like a uh, when you're farming concrete and you pour it. They have this machine that vibrates yep. the metal mesh so it all sieves. I know where you're going. Yeah. So I bolted this vibrating machine <laughs> to a gold miner's kit, and it vibrated and sifted my flour. Through a hundred mesh screen, they call yeah. it, where it's very, very fine. Wow. So with that concept, then I went out looking for that machine. If I couldn't find it, I was going to have to build Fabricate it. Fabricate again, yeah. It was <laughs> like $10 in parts, you mm -hmm. know, $20 in parts to proof my thought. And once I had proof of concept, mm -hmm. then I went, Katie barred the door to find a machine because I knew it would work. That's what amazing. I needed. Wow. And no engineering background or anything? No. And, and this is another, the whole sifting thing. I took a, um, I didn't want any crumbs in my jar, dust or crumbs. I just wanted flakes. So I took a Rubbermaid trash can and, and nestled another one. So they sit inside one another. Okay. The top one, I pierced holes all through it. And the same concept, I hooked a vibrating motor and I would dump a finished batch of mixed mm. vegetables and it sifted all the crumbs and dust to the bottom container. Oh. So when I took the top one out, Look at the bottom I had nothing but flakes. There's no little yeah. crumbs. I, I noticed that about, yeah, because normally the, the bottom, what, half inch is going to be yeah. all powder, yeah. crumbs. We sift mm -hmm. all of that out of it before it goes in a jar. Unfortunately, that's waste. Yeah. I say that waste. I call it petite say too. <laughs> <laughs> you can reuse it. And in I this. tried marketing it. Yeah. It just didn't take off, but. Um, you can't sneak it into some of these other meals that well, season never gonna, them? You probably could, but Monique is very harsh. She's mm -hmm. like, nope, nope, nope. Matter of fact, our jar, um, 4.2 ounces, fills the jar almost to the top. Well, she, that's not good for her. She's going to fill the jar, tap it. Hit the machine again and then put the cap on. She settles it all right there oh, before wow. she will put it in a case. This the makes jars me never like, have that headspace that you see in a potato yeah. chip bag. Oh yeah, right. We're half it's, the bag. It's right to the lid, isn't right. it? Right. I know. Right. She won't let a jar leave the wow. And, and even shop. tapping no. it, it's not going anywhere. No, she does mm -hmm. that for you. <laughs> <laughs> that just makes me like it even more, though. To know you're you want the best quality. Right, and, and that and way your you, reputation you will only grow. You'll grow more organically. Right, that, yeah. that's amazing. Uh, lastly, let's give a plug to your your current employer. What, what signal Signal of Lafayette? Signal Security is a, a variety, a provider of variety of services. We do apartment communities overnight. We travel from all the you know probably fourteen apartment communities throughout the night. They hit one. The, the, our officer gets down, pulls on doors. Uh, has certain checkpoints that they check on property. They, they mount up. They go to the next apartment community. They do the same thing there, make sure the pools are locked up. There's nobody, you know, curfews or okay. loud noises. And then during the day, you might see signal security at Walmart. We do an exterior patrol, an interior patrol. We patrolled the student section for all UL games this year. Okay. And um, 
we've done Vermilionville, a lot of vent, wedding venues and a lot oh, of different okay. special event type security. But we also offer overnight monitoring. So like there are others in the city, we also do camera monitoring and uh, dispatch overnight. So okay. we monitor your cameras at your business while you're home sleeping. Oh, all right. And we dispatch police whenever we notice something out of the ordinary. <clears throat> okay. Our dispatchers notify Lafayette PD and dispatch them out. So a lot of different services. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, Jan, I— I think we have to have him back in a couple of years. One okay. to, to, to check in on the business, oh, the, si- be the side business, more products. Yeah. but also because we were talking before the podcast about AI built-in cameras and kind of what you're seeing and what we're seeing. And I think in a few years this is going to get really interesting. So uh, yeah, we'll have to reconvene and kind of discuss all wow. that as well. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you for being here. And Jan, as always, thank you very much. Oh, yeah. I, I love this. Drew. Thank you. We'd never met before. No. And when I met you, Monique, this summer, y'all were just so friendly. And uh, I love these stories because you personify what Lafayette is, you know, and uh, you're making a difference. This is, um, you know, earlier I said about helping people's lives, but really it makes it fun to cook. Right. You know, sometimes you want to chop things, but sometimes you want to just get oh, there's it together. There's no doubt. That's therapy for me, too. Me t- I know. You know. I love that feeling. But also, it's it's fun to have a delicious meal that's easy right. to prepare. It's when you don't have the time to scratch that pot for a couple of hours. It's yeah. ready to go in 30 minutes. Uh-huh. Right. I want to thank you for joining us today. So, again, this has been Drew Barra. And you can go, uh, you can see more about Say 2 Dried Trinity Mix and other products at thisiscajun.com. And I want to thank Jason Sikora. For taping our show today. Um, love doing the show in this beautiful Raider Studios. Thank you. To our listeners, thank you for tuning in again. Please tell your friends about the podcast. If you haven't yet, you can subscribe to Discover Lafayette wherever you get your podcast. You can also visit the website, discoverlafayette.net, where you can find Drew Barra's interview along with over 360 others. Thank you for joining us. This has been Jan Swift. 